This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Otago Access Radio, in partnership with Otago Polytech, brings you Blowing Bubbles. Blowing Bubbles brings you positive conversations of people in their bubbles around the world. How are people living their bubble lives? Working from home, keeping kids entertained, and staying connected and getting exercise. And how are these things presenting us with the opportunities to find new ways of living? Every weekday, the Sustainable Lens team of Samuel Mann, Shan Gallagher and Mara Karatai reach out from their bubbles to chat with interesting and positive people around the world. Broadcast on Otago Access Radio 105.4 FM and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz and sustainablelens.org. Bringing connection, joy, kindness and peace in the days ahead. Welcome to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. I'm Samuel Mann in Sawyers Bay in Dunedin, and I am joined today by Vicky Pallison Silva, who is in Helsinki. Yes, I am in Finland. You're not from Finland, though, are you? I am not from Finland. I am originally from uh, Peru. I'm from a very small town called Tachapoyas, which is in like super north of Peru, a small village. If you, it, it, yeah, I think it could be categorized as that. But um, I've moved in here for the last four years to do my PhD, and I've been working on that. And are you staying in Finland? Uh, after the PhD, well, who knows? I, I, uh, as as any other researcher, I think that my life will pretty much go with like where I find the funds to continue my research. So, well, let's let's see where life takes me. <laughs> You've been spending time in the States. Um, I have been living in different places um, across, like, I, I started traveling when I was 18 years old. I basically turned 18 and three months later I was already abroad because I wanted to go exchange. So I have been living in several countries. I've lived in Mexico, I have lived in um, France, I have lived in Sweden, in Finland, and last year I, I was also in the States. Yeah, that, that has been like a lot of a lot of a lot of places, lots of good experiences. Liesel Mitchell is a downtown dweller, urban explorer and conversationalist, observing city life in lockdown. Well, hi there. This is Liesel coming at you from the bubble in the downtown area and hope you're all doing well in your bubbles out there. Um, oh, gosh, wow. This is, this is an interesting time, isn't it? I think as lockdown goes on, uh, we're probably all experiencing different kind of feelings about this and maybe settling into a bit of a routine or maybe not. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe the routine's fallen apart. Uh, I know for me I've really got a bit of a routine going now that's um, that's helpful because it means I can set myself up for the day, uh, I feel sort of productive, I enjoy my little routine, I have a bit of a ritual of going for a walk in the morning, coming home and uh, having my breakfast, then um, preparing my coffee for the day which is a ritual unto itself, into itself, unto, into Mm, you choose you choose what feels best in that space <laughs> and uh, then once I've got my coffee I I get to the workstation and start doing some work so uh, that's a nice sort of signal for me that once coffee's on the table 
uh, I need to start work, which is which is great. And I usually work through till lunchtime, and then I have a break. Uh, I usually need to have a bit of a sleep in the afternoon, so siesta time is usually where where my afternoon um, disappears into. <laughs> and then uh, might play the piano, might do a bit of music. Uh, there was dancing today. There may have been dancing. Yep. I had a small mini afternoon dance party with myself today, which um, I've got to say really gets, you know, really lifts the mood. When you're having a dance party, especially by yourself, there is something incredibly freeing about that. Your moves are the best moves because they are the only moves. You are the only judge of those moves. And when there's nothing to actually, like, there's no mirror, there's nowhere to look for these moves, all I'm getting is like just the best vibes off um, yeah, my own interpretive dance moves. So, so get out there and have a dance party. I think that's a that's a that's my advice for today. Um, but where was I going with this? Yeah, my routine. So then I usually have a bit of a walk and then dinner and you know relaxing in the evening and stuff. So it's nice to have that routine going. But I'm guessing that we're all doing this in the best way that we can and I think that we're all doing an amazing job actually because we're continuing to sort of um, stay home and I hope we can continue to take this really seriously even if it starts to look a bit like things are getting better um, I think we've really got to just keep upholding this idea that us staying home is a really important job we're doing and I um, just really want to stress this because I think that it's really easy to start getting a bit bored, feeling a bit resentful, starting to kick the walls a bit, starting to feel like, well, it wouldn't matter if I just went and did, or if I just did this, that wouldn't really make a big difference, but it will, and it does. So I'm sure most of the people listening to this are probably part of that group that are doing a really thoughtful job of staying home and um, paying attention to the fact that being kind um, by being thoughtful by staying home is actually the way that we're going to get through this so yeah I guess I guess it's about anchoring yourself in whatever makes you feel okay to stay at home and I think um you know, if you don't have um, a routine at this point and maybe it has been sitting on the couch and kind of not getting up out of the jammies and enjoying Netflix all day long, which, hey, there is nothing wrong with that at all. But it might be fun to, you know, as the days kind of go on, to just mix that up. And if you want to try something completely new, then this is the time to do it. So, you know, you can stay in the jammies for the rest of the time that we're on lockdown or you could create yourself a new habit, a new routine, um, try and mix it up a bit just so that you can actually maybe make it through for the next however long, however many days, months, weeks, hopefully not months, um, weeks maybe that we have to stay in lockdown. So I just encourage you to keep on um, staying strong and enjoying, enjoying what lockdown can offer us as well as trying to find ways for you to get through it um, that makes sense for you. So from my bubble to you, I hope you're having a great day and we'll check in again soon. Take care. And Mawera's joined yeah. us. Welcome, Mawera. Kilda, Kilda, Sam, Kilda, Victoria. <laughs> Hi. So who's in your bubble, Vicky? So 
Uh, Nalder is a baby, which I must point out is not my baby, but um, I am now in one of the common spaces in our in our building. I live in this sort of like community building house in Helsinki, which is um, it's a new type of building that aims to be sustainable and at the same time it aims to be like a community. So everyone has their own small studios and we have shared areas and right now I, am, I have taken over one of the shared areas and that's why you can hear a baby. And I think in my bubble I find um, my neighbors who are lovely and I see on a daily basis, mostly from far away, but we wave at each other. <laughs> there is um, of course uh, the people that you can hear on the side which are uh, our lovely um, restaurant uh, like attendee, uh, attendee, well, the attendants. They are they are they are making coffee for us and like helping us get through this. And we are also like supporting the local restaurant to get through this. So we have become the support for the local restaurant, and they have become our support because they are wonderful. And uh, yeah, those I think those, that's my bubble basically. <laughs> so how strict is the the lockdown? What are you being required to do? So in Helsinki, the lockdown is, um, uh, we are restricted, first of all, like Helsinki has been isolated because apparently like the, it was the area with most cases. So the Helsinki region is called Usima and uh, that region is now um, isolated from the rest of Finland and it's 2 million people that live in all this region. And if you want to exit this area, you need to pass border checks and if you don't have a reason to cross, you are not going to be allowed to cross. And uh, I can go to the street, I can take my dog to walks, I can go to the parks, I can, I, basically the movement is not restricted, but it, everyone keeps their, their distance. And Finland being Finland, the like uh, distance between like uh, one person to another is, it has always been already pretty big, but right now people are keeping even more distance. But I think, yeah, especially these days that the sun is coming, spring is arriving into Helsinki. I see more and more people on the streets. I mean, it's, we have had a very long and dark winter. So everyone wants to enjoy a bit of the sun. And uh, I think it's it's very good for our mental health to do that. So the Finnish people are not known for their small talk. So they're not doing small talk from even standing even further away than they were. Absolutely, they are not. They're they are engaging their own type of land conversations from very far away. <laughs> Rahui images by Andy Thompson, providing us with daily inspiration through the camera lens. See Andy's pictures on Andy Thompson Photography NZ NZ. Kia ora, and welcome to COVID-19 Rahui Images blog for Andy Thompson. Hey, um, are you doing okay in this Rahui? How are you going? Um, we all want to know. So uh, don't forget to leave a comment down the bottom of the blog or send us an email or check into the radio station. This blog is about having a sense of balance. And of course, when we move in, we're moving deeper into the Rahui time. So that means that we need to find our new new or our new norm, a new new norm, if you like. And so finding that sense of balance in each day is kind of crucial to be able to get through this part. So having some routine. So my routine is getting up in the morning, doing some exercise, making sure it's a good one, getting a shower, brekkie, chats, and then maybe coffee, and then taking Molly for a walk. That's sometimes my routine. 
What's your routine out there? While you uh, struggle through the, well not struggle, but hopefully you're getting through the rahui and then staying within your bubble to do your best. And also sometimes uh, in the morning I try to make targets or goals for the day. So try and achieve those. And it's actually quite cool to try and re-engineer your day. So think about at the end of the day, what do you want to look back on and how do you want to, or have you achieved what you want to achieve? Uh, and in the terms of photography, um, getting a sense of balance is kind of key. So uh, what you'll want to think about when you're developing images or putting images together is, is how do you, when you look at it, just does it feel balanced? And that'll be gauged by your, where you've positioned your subjects within the, uh, within the frame. So there are really good examples on what you can use, like the golden triangle or the golden uh, ratio, uh, Fibonacci spiral and the diagonal. Um, and so those are sorts of things that you can use to grid out um, your frame and making sure that your main subjects are where those cross lines are, or in the case of uh, Fibonacci spiral, that's where the spiral sits. And Google that, it's actually a really fascinating mathematical uh, uh, kind of uh, theory on where your eye is naturally drawn to within uh, a particular image. So if you have a look on my blog, um, you'll see that I've got uh, a couple or oh, three images there and trying to create a sense of balance. And one is tightly cropped and then the other one is looking far away. But it's actually about where you position uh, your subjects and that makes a difference. And when you're looking at uh, your images, you should you need to kind of go away from your image and then come back to it, go away, come back to it, have a look at it, and, and the first glance, you should feel a sense of balance with your image. And so that's, uh, that's a really good thing to do. So think about, to gain a sense of balance, what are your key elements in your, in your, uh, in your image? And do these elements create that sense of balance within the image? And then do the main elements of the image intersect with the grid points or the rule of thirds, which is another great rule to go by. And is there extra clutter in your frame that will be distracting? Um, so think about uh, if it is making your image look too complicated. All right, I hope that helps. Um, and uh, have a look at the blog and leave a, leave a comment down below. And uh, go well, everybody. Hope uh, your Rahui bubbles are uh, exceptional. Make them the best they possibly can because, uh, you know, why not? Uh, we have choice and, uh, and let's, let's get the best out of what we're into. And um, get out there and take photos. Um, go in your local bubble area and take some local photos. It'd be fantastic to see. Kia kaha, everybody. Take care. Stay safe. Let's take Jin Wigmore's Written in the Water.
sounds amazing. Oh, oh yeah. People... I... How um, many people live in your building? I think we are like 250 people. Oh. How and many shared uh, spaces would you have? I have, uh, well, we have a huge lobby and we have a co-working space. We also have meeting rooms and uh, like a movie room, games rooms. So it's several like shared spaces. And we used to have a, a shared kitchen. Everyone had their own small kitchen, but we used to have like a very large shared kitchen, which right now is, is uh, closed. And right now also we are not allowed to gather in groups of more than four. So those are like some of them restrictions that there are here but but i do like the place very much like it's 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 not only as i was telling to some it's not only very efficient in the way like it it's managed and it manages the energy in the building but i think it's also like a very nice community because like it helps to see other people to know other people to kind of help other people like uh, some of us have become the helpers for some of our um, flatmates who are like in their self-isolation periods and uh, like we have a desk in here who takes care of delivering food to those who are self-isolation they bring you food to your door and uh, I think that's like just very nice and so you're you're still isolating from the other people in the building or you're just maintaining a bit of a distance from them I think most are isolating from each other. So we see each other like crossing on the lobby. Sometimes we change conversations, but like we're not like gathering. Right. Which is a little bit different than before, because before this all happened, many of us used to like come to the lobby, just engage in like conversations and stay there for hours. It's a, it, it, it was like a great place for that. But now it's a little bit like a little bit more distance, but there's still some sort of social interaction happening. So what work are you doing at the moment? I'm working on my thesis. <laughs> I'm trying to become a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> is it nearly finished? It is sort of finished. I have I have sent my thesis to my supervisors for review, and they are going to send it back with comments to me. I guess this week. So, uh, but also my professor has this like graph which says like if you if your uh, supervisor has always like I don't know. 100 comments uh, in your thesis and like, you know, you're never going to graduate. So let's see how many comments he has. <laughs> <laughs> what is your thesis on? Um, I work on human computer interaction and I have been uh, researching, uh, um, sorry, that's hard. That's the copy bar <laughs> here. But um, I work on human computer uh, interaction and I have been mainly researching the motivations or the yeah, behavioral drivers that drive people to do environmental monitoring using their mobiles. So that, that has been the, the research I've been doing for four years. It has been a lot of fun, lots of community interventions, lots of uh, work with users, and that's uh, something that I have loved. And what did you find? What did I find? Oh, I found something interesting. Oh, <laughs> I found uh, my last conclusion uh, was that um, 
most of the drivers that computer scientists have been creating for uh, motivating people to report more, more uh, like do more monitoring, more citizen monitoring tasks are usually rewards that work. Um, it's a bus ticket, um, few cents, uh, some rewards of that kind. And I found that those rewards don't really encourage people to engage in the long term with this type of initiatives. And I found that by um, studying some cases that have engaged volunteers for a decade in, in different countries. And these people had like a lot of motivations, but they did not have power. And power is one of those motivations that relates with rewards. So I think that shows that the field of computer science needs to like like broaden a little bit the type of incentive mechanisms that they are developing to engage people into those platforms. So the values for people participating was more that they were serving the community or something? There were all sorts of types, but they were not power. So they were values like some of them were very stimulated by new devices. They wanted to, to, to use new devices to get their hands onto those new sensors, new apps, whatever. Some people, of course, cared about their community. Some people, of course, were naturalists and cared about the environment. But there was also people who, for example, cared about things like security. They cared about the well-being of them or their family. Like in Japan, the people doing radiation monitoring, they care about their family because they did not trust the government records. There was people who did this because of tradition. Their parents doing, did uh, lake monitoring and they continued doing it. So um, some of them do it as a hobby, for example, like some of them like to go um, and do cycling or like do swimming and they just like, use this these platforms as something that they do on their, on their side uh, act, as a side activity. But uh, so there is like a wide range of like values that drive their actions. But the one that does not drive is power. None of them said like, you know, I have been doing this for 10 years because I have free bus tickets or $1 every time I submit. Bubble Sprite of the Forest of Orokunui, Dunedin's favorite goddess, Tahu Mackenzie. Kia ora koutou, na mihi araha nui kia koutou, ko tahu Super excited to be with you all beautiful people and thank you very much for having me share my bubble visions as part of Blowing Bubbles. I'm very honoured, it's really really exciting for me. So something that I'm really enjoying delving into and diving into at the moment is this really fascinating situation that we are all in together at the moment with our beautiful beloved bubbles and as we know we are always in our own bubble and we are always creating our own reality and we are encouraged and heavily conditioned to share consensus reality between ourselves but in truth we are all in our own beautiful bubble all the time now our bubble of course is part of an infinite web of life and connection that extends throughout time and space forever. But this idea that we're suddenly encapsulated in bubbles in a more external sense is absolutely right. And it's time for us to really enjoy creating our own framework of meaning within this. So something that I think is so important for all of us in our bubbles is the idea that we are in control and we can create our reality and set boundaries 
within that process so that things really work in the best way for us. And something that has worked really well for me in this time of externally encouraged bubble life is deciding that I'm actually going to have weekends, which I've never ever done in the whole 18 years or so of my working life. I've always enjoyed working at the weekend as well and thinking about work and, uh, you know, planning and dreaming and scheming and creating. But in this time, I'm now dedicating my weekends in my beautiful beloved bubble to other realms of my life, which is really exciting. And so I would encourage you also to think about what kind of boundaries within your bubble you would like to make. I've also been thinking about this concept of bubbles and many times in my life people have said to me that I am living in a bubble and this is really interesting because what I have found works really well for me is that I'm so grateful to be alive and I'm so grateful for all the opportunities that surround us constantly to learn and grow and evolve together. And I have trained my brain to scan and look for these opportunities and look for these aspects of the infinite universe to be grateful for. It hasn't always been the case. And I do acknowledge all aspects of the universe I do acknowledge others perceptions I do accept them and when I encounter perceptions that are quite different from my own I'm grateful and I think wow you know this is a real opportunity to learn from each other and this is a real opportunity for me to feel grateful of where I am and how I feel because what I have found works best for me is to train my wonderful brain who really loves me, to be a fantastic tool for feeling good. And as we all know, our beautiful brains that we've evolved are under our control and they will do what we want. So if you train them to really focus and look for positive opportunities for learning and growth and creativity, and if you train them to be scanning constantly to find more things for you to be grateful for. They will, and it's just such a gift, and I'm so grateful for that. And the flip side of that is, of course, if you focus on negative things or things to worry about, then your brain, because your brain loves you, will look for all those things and and give more of those things to you. So I think it's a great opportunity, really, while we're in our exciting bubbles to think about new ways of being and what kind of aspects of our life we can create more spaciousness in, where we want to put those boundaries to best serve ourselves in this time. So today is my weekend, tomorrow is my weekend, and I'm really enjoying having some adventures with my new kittens, Poirot and Hastings, who are so beautiful and so full of joy and excitement. So I hope that you have a wonderful, wonderful day. And I'll look forward to speaking to you next time. Kakite. What's the messaging that they're using in Finland? How how are they getting everybody on board? Well, um, 
the Finnish society um, is a society that um, follows rules. So they're very good at following rules. It's a very structured society. And um, the government has given, first, they gave guidelines. And those guidelines were not not followed by everyone. So then they gave a little bit like orders. And, like, and they ask everyone to to get uh, on board to to. to get out of the situation together and then i think that's when when things clicked when things came out a bit like more serious although i think finnish people to be honest like um there has always been that five percent who needed the law to like get on board but i'm pretty sure that 80 percent of the people was already in their houses way before everything happened because the situation was getting harder in italy and uh, you could you could notice already people in, in helsinki that they were in their houses but there was of course a small percentage that was still not um not following the, the advices or guidelines and they needed a stricter measure so that's that's sort of what happened but also i feel that like the message of of the prime minister has been um, along the lines like we cannot stop this virus we will not stop this virus but we can we can like save some lives by by behaving in this way so uh, the message uh, as always from from the finnish perspective has been a very neutral message a very a fact-based message of like you know, this is people is gonna die, but we can do this too. Is the is the load on the healthcare, for example? So they're still appealing to a community benefit. It's it's not just about keep yourself safe. It's keep others safe. Um, it's both of them. It's both of them. And the Finnish the Finnish society is a highly individualistic society, so it does work to appeal to the individual care. But uh, they are, they have also been appealing to the community, to the community measures or the community care. So they have been appealing to both. But most of all, they have been appealing to the facts, uh, like they have been appealing to like uh, the the hard facts, like looking at what what's the number of people that's going to be affected and that's what's going to happen and that's that's has been a strong message in here because um that's what uh, the way they have communicated it has been like very neutral there has not been like any desperation or like messages saying like hey pray for finland you know we are gonna die but like very neutral very fact-based yeah that's very finnish <laughs> how are they managing the Yes, we know it's the sun's coming out. You've had a long, dark, cold winter. As it warms up, yes. it must be awfully tempting to go to the park. It is very tempting, man, and we all are doing it, but uh, everyone is going to the parks. But uh, luckily, uh, Finland has a lot of green spaces and it's not very populated. So there is space for everyone to be in the park and still like be within a safe distance for everyone, from everyone. And that's what everyone is doing there, like... They are transiting some of the green areas and they are keeping a safe distance from everyone. If that park seems to have some more people, they just move to the next one. And uh, yeah, right now it's kind of like impossible not to not to want to go outside and take some sun or walk around the block because, um, because yeah, we had a very long winter and winters are, are tough. And this winter, particularly for Helsinki, there was no snow for first time in many years and uh, so it was a very very dark winter <laughs> because when there is snow at least there is like a brighter environment around you but uh, yeah this year that wasn't the case so we're seeing lots of changes in society not just personal changes 
what are you seeing and and what do you think is going to stick what do you hope is going to stick well, um, one thing is for sure the working from distance, I think, is getting now more normalized. Lots of offices get, have not allowed their, their workers to work from, from home. And I think now that's being questioned, like, do you really need to go to office? So I think that's a very interesting, like, thing that is coming up. But also, I, I think um, in terms of, like, something I have liked a lot uh, is something I saw yesterday. Yesterday, the government of Peru rolled out the um, education from home uh, program and uh, what I liked was that they have had this idea in which they have opened three channels which are open channels the government already has its own like studio and they, they, they make programs there and they are having education on TV and that is also transmitted by radio so when you like uh, perhaps access to computers is something that not everyone may have, uh, only the most privileged, but uh, access to a TV and a radio is something that is a lot more spread around the country. So I really like that and I do hope that stacks because that's a way to democratize education, not only for the little ones, but perhaps for those uh, who are already grown ups and haven't had an access to, to education. So I really hope that stacks, like lots of people are like really happy with like the way that's working. And um, yeah, I hope I hope those two things stack. <laughs> Is there anything you're worried about? Um, I I am a bit worried uh, that this entire like epidemic is used as a justification for um, surveillance capitalism, and that that you know we would be surveilled more um, using the excuse that you know we need to avoid future pandemics, we need to follow where you go, with whom you interact, uh, what do you interact about so i think that's something that i do certainly hope it doesn't happen because uh, i think the line between uh, freedom and authoritarianism right now is like a little bit blurred in many places we're not good at maybe we are too good at giving away our data yeah because we don't know what we are giving out very often like all of those terms and conditions are like so complicated to read nobody reads them nobody needs to redesign that <laughs> and yeah we don't know what we are doing and uh, well we don't know what it's gonna be used for in future because that's something that like uh, we have not yet gotten to figure so
Does your big communal house feel a bit like a hotel? It does feel like a hotel. Actually, in Finnish, they call it like a hotel house. Um, but yeah, but I must admit, yeah, we are, we are very privileged to have these spaces. <laughs> so I have some questions to end with. So what's the biggest success you've had in the last couple of years? Uh, well, I got a uh, I got a fellowship at MIT, and I think that's probably one of my biggest successes in the last couple of years. Uh, I was last year in there, and it was like a wonderful, wonderful experience. I'm still an affiliate scholar there. Loved it. <laughs> that was at the Media Lab. Yeah, that was at the Media Lab. Well, it was not um, not um, like in the Media Lab. In, in, like the Media Lab has many labs within itself. So it was at the Civic Media Group. Uh, that's it. The Civic Media Group focuses on like creating technologies to change the world, to help humanity. So it has a very quite like a social justice like uh, type of objective. So it was not only an inspiring group to work with, but uh, also a group that has had um, a lot of achievements. I had opportunity to work with Ethan Superman and uh, well, to, to, to meet his students um, whose work is very inspiring, like, for example, the work of, of Joy Bolanguini. She has been uncovering uh, facial um, recognition bias for women of color. And uh, that, has, that, that was very interesting to see, like, young people so invested into, like, changing the world and uh, fighting injustice that is being embedded in technology. Do you think in balance computing is a positive in terms of social justice? I think there needs to be more regulations and I think there needs to be more structural changes in the way that we are being educated about computing and the way we are doing computing. Because right now computing is um, mostly technical in many places and uh, computer engineers are not really thinking about like, hey, what are the broader um, um, effects of my of my creation so they do not think about like what's this gonna cost is am i creating software for a dictatorship um uh, what is like a meaningful participation in a website am, am i actually silencing people by not allowing them to comment or like or just allowing them to comment on 140 characters and i think all of those conversations uh, could be addressed if like computer science could have like a little bit more humanities on on it that then all of those arguments could at least happen while the police is studying and not when like they have deployed something that has affected millions. Moira's working on imagination as a means Ooh, to that. as a means for engendering hope and you could tell us what you're doing, Moira. Looking at the um, impact of imagination on our ability to think a future for ourselves. If we can't imagine a future, then how can we create one? Exactly. And, yeah, so it's been really a really wonderful, um, wonderful bit of study to do and uh, involves basically so much thinking. It's the best study in the world where you just get yeah. to hope and, and ponder how this can possibly work. And, um, and I see computing as... Um, a really a big opportunity to remove barriers for people. It's the thing that connects all of us now. We're connected because of the work that people in the background are doing to make computing so accessible. 
Absolutely. I, I totally agree with what you're saying. Last year um, at, at MIT, one of my, my colleagues there, uh, Arwam Boya from Kenya, she works on imagination and uh, imagination and technology. And she, she says exactly the same, that you cannot create a future that you have not imagined. And our ability to create uh, those futures is, our is related with our ability to imagine those. So um, she questions the frames of imagination and how, um, how certain narratives have already like limited our imagination and and last year we were we used to try a lot of like workshops where we could use a lot of surrealist games as a way to escape those um, frames that like i don't know disney and the world have put on like how your imagination should look like to imagine spaces imagine artifacts imagine interactions that's lovely i, I really like that type of work that i think that's the type of exploratory work that uh, that computer science deserves <laughs> and needs. <laughs> well, I'm glad that you guys are working on that too. The more of us working on it, the better chance we have of finding a, um, a way forward, especially for our young people who, um, who lack the role models and the opportunities to develop their imagination. So we need to find better, more effective ways that don't necessarily rely on the adults in their lives to be able to fill that need. So we're writing a book of these conversations. It's called Tomorrow's Heroes. So a collection of people who are doing good work to make the world a better place. So you're in the superhero mansion. What's the superpower that got you there? <laughs> a superpower that got me there? I, I don't know. Hmm. Let me think. That is uh, probably my ability to make a lot of friends. <laughs> <laughs> I am very good at making friends. Like it's very hard to 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 dislike me. I dare you to dislike me. <laughs> well, I think I think I'm, I'm very good at, at making friends, and like I with the time, um, I have uh, become a person that like embraces um, lots of. Lots of things, and I think I have. Um, I mean, be, being a person that was born and raised in the global south and lives in the global north, that has uh, also allowed me to like see so many different ways of thinking, so many ways of thinking. And I think that um, appreciating all types of knowledge is important, and appreciating native knowledge, appreciating more advanced knowledge, questioning the the the, the, the mainstream narratives, something that like. Is, some, is something that I like to do and uh, yeah and that's why I like to listen to people and make friends of all kinds and I think everyone is an expert of their, of their own lived, lived experiences so yeah maybe I could be like the friends over here. Saying that everyone is an expert in their own lived experiences sounds an awful lot like someone that should have done a doctorate of professional practice. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but it's too late now. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> so, do you consider yourself to be an activist? In some regards, yes. I am. Um, I'm. I'm an activist for like certain causes. I I work actively with a group that uh, in Peru promotes uh, women's rights in like smaller regions. I've been supporting them for a while. I have uh, since I'm 18 years old been involved with making education free for everyone, and uh, I have been volunteering with like different associations. I have been volunteering with the European Commission with IEEE. 
working with Microsoft and trying to trying to promote free education for everyone in, in Peru and uh, and well now that I am in the global north I am right now the only activism I'm doing at the moment is I have signed up for the Red Cross to like go and help in the like operations they have in the city but they have not called me yet so <laughs> but I'm ready to do that. So what motivates you? What gets you out of bed in the morning? My dog, she really needs to walk in the morning, <laughs> but other than that, <laughs> other, other than that, um, to be honest, the last month has been hard. There has been mornings in which I really have not felt very like going out of bed. It has felt more like, let's go in bed and let's, you know, just stay until this is over. But uh, more recently, I think I am very uh, motivated by my research and by the type of work I'm doing, my work my work like uh, trying to create a better world by uh, creating participatory technology is something that motivates me and gets me out of bed. I'm, I'm, I have like several collaborations going on in different aspects and uh, well, regular research stuff like uh, papers and applications and so on. That's been very motivating these days. So what challenge are you looking forward to in the next couple of years? I'm going to head off you saying finishing your thesis. That that's that's just going to happen. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> and, so beyond um, that, well, um, I am um, I am hoping to get a couple of fellowships. Um, I'm applying right now for one fellowship on on digital curation, and I'm hoping to get that fellowship. And uh, I'm hoping also like to to write a very good proposal and like get a get a, ve a very nice postdoc on a topic I am interested about because my goal is always like to work on research I am interested about I am very um, um, yeah I'm, I'm very interested on certain topics and yeah that's I, I hope that that's gonna be like my my next step and like that I'm gonna do it very well and I'm gonna score a Marie Curie or some very good fellowship so given a free <laughs> hand that. what would you like to do well, I am right now uh, exploring the world of um, digital politics, <laughs> and I am I am trying to challenge the way um, engineers have been creating um, websites for e-governance e and civic technology, uh, because I I am arguing that lots of the technologies created for governance are technologies to allow uh, pseudo participation that they are not really allowing participation. Instead, they are limiting the interactions the way that people interact with uh, with the government but they are doing it by using features and um, this is of course part of a larger bias that um, computer engineers have because a computer engineer who decided to put like just a like button on something did it because he thought he or she thought that that's the best feature to do to represent in there so um, I'm trying to get into into that topic. I'm very interested into uh, into researching a little bit more about that and to writing a little bit more about how pseudo participation happens in in design, happens in digital environments in general. Do you think that this COVID time, this pause, do you think that's changing how we're thinking about participation? It's challenging. I think it's already it's already showing that, like you know, how some stuff is already pseudo participation. Because, like, uh, I don't know how it's in New Zealand, but I don't know how many of the e-government platforms have become truly useful during these times. And the truth is that in 
for example, in countries like Finland, they have to come up with entire new system because there is nothing like that already. And then that makes you realize that, you know, there is like a gap in there and, and realizing that there is so many community self-organizing groups that are just orchestrating their own like uh, communication and their own organization. It makes you realize that there is a way of people participating already that is not being addressed by the regular technologies. And I think that that has already been visible. Like last year um, in Chile, Chile was in the smart government of like Latin America. It was very appraised for all the e-governance technology they had. However, last year in the explosion of um, protests they had, what you could see was that technology was not really leveraging anything good in there because uh, technology was not able to capture what was that people really need and people really needed a change in their system but they had a system with predetermined options a system that would ask them hey would you like to change the position of the bridge and the options would be like three positions of the bridge that have already been pre-selected for them and they never had a chance to truly say like hey this is what i need this is what i worry about in society and this is what is uh, not working for me and uh, i think that technology should be there to to create these conversations to mediate these conversations and right now it's not happening in many places lastly do you have any advice for our listeners excellent son don't forget your smoothies and if you have a dog hug your dog a lot <laughs> <laughs> Thank and you. stop reading the news. Stop reading the news? <laughs> yeah, you need to make a pause with the news. I think that the news, like, they, it's, it's too overwhelming right now. It's 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 just incredibly overwhelming. So I think just make a scheduled rhythm, like, every few days and or once a day. But uh, just, like, regulate your use on the news and do not over-inform yourselves because that is only going to crave on your mental health. Instead, hug your dog. Like, you know, you feel like reading the news, hug your dog. Scratch your dog. Your dog is going to love it. And if you have a cat, same. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much for joining us. Mawira, did you have any last thoughts? Um, I think I'm going to try and track down Vicky so that we can collaborate on something. Yes, absolutely, Mawira. That sounds, I, I really, I, I really would like to connect with you. That would be neat. It's been absolutely a pleasure hearing from you today. Stay here. It's been lovely to be with you today. You've been listening to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their safe spaces around the world, brought to you by the Sustainable Lens team, which is brought to you by Otago Polytechnic. We broadcast on Otago Access Radio every weekday afternoon at three and podcast on oar.org.nz. You can find us on Facebook as well. We've had contributions from Tahu McKenzie, Andy Thompson and Liesl Mitchell. I'm Samuel Mann in Sawyers Bay in Dunedin with Mawira Karatai in Fakatani and Victoria Pallison Silva in Helsinki. We hope you enjoyed the show. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.